0: two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Coming in hot, 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 Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Hey, hey, welcome to this episode of I Date Money. I'm your hostess, Lisa Drennan. And today we are spending time with Shelby Joe Long. She is a business consultant, keynote speaker, and thought leadership innovator that helps people build a business around their genius. I love that because we all have genius. I like to say we have financial genius and we don't tap into it because, you know, we grow up with all these money stories. So thank you, Shelby, for being here. Tell us more about your genius.
1: Yeah, Lisa, thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. It uh, was great to meet you earlier this week. I'm looking forward to knowing more about you and more about what you do, which I think I'll learn on this podcast. Yeah. Um, I do help people create businesses around their genius. Uh, uh, a little bit more of my background, I'm a professor of business communication, and basically I help people create a curriculum around or core offer around their, their ideas, and then they can monetize that in multiple different ways. And, uh, that's exploring how to do that. So that's what I do. And then I work with businesses and their leadership and culture and communication structure
0: too. So. Yeah. I love that. I I just love the the fact that you wrote the book about the genius because so many people do not see their genius. They don't see their gifts and their talents and, you know, they can go out and make money, but then they're not really quite sure how to manage it and how to keep it multiplying and all those great things. So when you first started off, what was your money mindset like?
1: Uh, So (laughs) that's a good question. Um, I don't know if I had, the right money mindset for an entrepreneur, and I think there's a few reasons for that. Um, I had, I have been in, I've been a college professor for the past 17 years. I've been in academia for 23 years, uh, for a long time, and that's where I saw my career. That's where I built my career, and that's where I've been for a while. And in that space, you're not really paid for your ideas or paid for your ingenuity or paid for anything. You have a set salary, you teach classes, uh, that you're, you get paid by the institution. You don't get paid by the person. So that was, I think that had a big influence on my money mindset and about the value of my ideas and the value of me and the value of all that was all kind of wrapped into that, which is mm-hmm. interesting. And I know we're going to talk more about my history and background, but uh, I came from a family of entrepreneurs and it was interesting that I came out of that. So when I started into the business world and I started to put my ideas together and to enter it into the marketplace, it was, it was hard for me to think about money in that space and not in a salary way. Right. Mm-hmm. So to think about, you know, being paid the appropriate amount of money for the service that I provided. And so that really transitioned some things about how I operated with money and how I thought about money and how I valued myself. So I think those are kind of the big, big things to think about initially, but I didn't have that. I didn't, I would say my money mindset was more salary in the beginning mm-hmm. when I started. That's where I came from. So,
0: yeah. Well, and, and and that's not the mindset, having a salary-based focus of like, you know, I'll give you my time. You give me money. I mean, we did that for years. And I mean, they fought for years over the nine to five schedule. And like before we had all the, the structure in place, you didn't really, you worked until you dropped, right? You were exhausted and maybe you would get a break or two. So just setting it up to the point where we would be able to have that structure, And so I know as entrepreneurs, we kind of look at that nine to five and say, I don't want that kind of structure. I don't want to, you know, be controlled by a boss and and punching the clock and things like that. I want that. I want to make my own rules and do work what I want to work. But then I find that there's not a lot of balance. So I transitioned from nine to five and, you know, into full time, you know, not even full time. I don't, what I do now, I don't even consider it work. I love it so much. But you know, I'm not tied to my desk. I can get up. I don't have to go to lunch at one o'clock and be back. You know, 45 minutes later, I get to go and do whatever I want, when I want. And that that sense of um, control, that sense of power, I think is that's what drives the entrepreneur. And so, when you think about that, when you're tapping into people's geniuses, what drives them to want to say, "Okay, here's my gifts and talents. I want to use this to optimize." my 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 money and my you know positioning and i want to serve the world this way so how do you tap into that
1: i think there's there's a process to it but there's you know i think fundamentally when people just what you talked about and similar to what i experienced too that you're tired of trading time for money and that you work in a salary well the other issue with salary positions is that they can keep putting things on you And you're working more, but you're not getting more money for that. And so that's, I think, a challenge and something that I got used to. And I think particularly when people start to tap into their genius and work in that genius space, then they find that similar to what you said, like it doesn't feel like work because it's what you do. It's what you know. It's what's core to your intuition. And it doesn't feel like work. And when we can do that as individuals and we're working in that space, that feels good. And it, then it's fine to spend time there and you're valuing yourself and your time because you're staying in that zone. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think, I think the first part of the process, because I deal with a lot of people that are transitioning from corporate transitioning from academia and going into entrepreneurship, which is a totally different way of operating and And it just even coming into the realization of that mindset is key. But then it it all starts with, but then often industry doesn't allow our genius to grow and come to fruition because. We are in an industry and we're only allowed to do so much within an industry, whether you're in financial or whether you're in academia or whether you're in real estate, whatever that is, like you're only allowed to do so much because you're limited by those confines. So sometimes we don't even operate in our zone of genius or even discover what it is until we can get out of that or at least see ourselves outside of that space. So it all fundamentally comes down to your core strengths though. And you yeah. start with your core strengths and your core way of understanding the world. So
0: yeah, that's and that's fascinating. It was one of the reasons why I like human design is because like you, you get to know who you are, but a lot of times people are like, well, I don't know what my gifts and talents are, but I'm not, or I'm not sure if it's going to make me money. And I remember when my kids are little and they're like, well, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. I'm like, what do you love to do? Go find a job doing it and allow it to pay you money enough to live in the wealthy lifestyle that you deem wealthy. So thinking about wealth, it means something different for everyone. And I always like to say we're wealthy from the inside out. How do you define wealth?
1: I think wealth is monetary, but I think it's also that state of fulfillment, right? So it's a, it's spending time with your family. It's being wealthy, uh, in multiple areas and being secure. I think that has a lot to do with wealth, um, that it's more than financial. And I think that a truly, a truly wealthy person is a person that is truly fulfilled with what they're doing and making money at the same time. It doesn't necessarily mean you're a millionaire or billionaire. It just means that you're, that you love what you're doing Mm because that's true wealth because you're not trading time for money then you're doing what's truly your passion and what's truly in your zone of genius and you're able to spend time with your family and friends so i mean i think that's 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 my perception of what true wealth is
0: yeah it's a beautiful perception i like that and it is going to be unique for each of us that's what's being fun about and that's what's so much fun about being a wealth activator is because you know, I help my clients see their core values and map that out. We call it a wealth activation roadmap. And we look at that based on what they love to do. We create money goals. We call them, you know, our money buckets. So, you know, every month we create this goal and we create like a, a bucket for it. And we start to save for that goal because our money has a purpose. When we we give our dollars a purpose, we get to accomplish the things that we really love and truly enjoy. And we don't have to tell ourselves no. But as entrepreneurs, I'm hearing and seeing a lot, especially a lot of my clients, when they first come start working with me, they deprive themselves. So what's the biggest thing that you deprive yourself of? And maybe you don't anymore, but you did when you first started out.
1: I think when I first started out and being a solo entrepreneur is hard because Mm -hmm. you have to do all the things and you have to. Market yourself, keep track of your money. you have to do your lead gen. you have to do you have to do all those things. And I think what you don't realize, and particularly I see this with a lot of entrepreneurs that I work with too, because I work with a lot of solo entrepreneurs, but we don't we we become too crowded to spend time in our zone of genius and to be fulfilled with what our doing. So we might be working in a space that we love and that's our passion, but we're drowning ourselves with all the other pieces of, of running a business, running Mm -hmm. a business is not easy and it's not for the faint of heart. And it is, it is managing and thinking about your money. And it is also thinking about where can you spend your money or spend some dollars to be able to give you more time, freedom to do what you want and to be in the space of solving those problems and earning money for that. You know, so it's, I think one of the biggest challenges is delegation, Mm-hmm. And I think that's uh, that's a space that we continually cross as entrepreneurs because, like, oh, I can do that or I can figure that out. But how much time is that going to take for you? And how much frustration is that going to be for you? And do you have the time to pay somebody else to do it, and then you are free to live in your zone of genius? I think that's one of the biggest one of the biggest challenges that I had was the delegation and the understanding of where to spend my time because yeah. I was doing all the things. So, yeah,
0: that's definitely a great point. Cause a lot of, you know, everybody starts at zero, you know, everybody starts off as a solopreneur and then, you know, strategically building out your team so that you're not drowning in, in debt, paying off the team, you know, kind of contradicts what you truly want to do. And it's so important to, you know, take a profit first and to align the money so that when you do build out, you don't crash and burn. I saw so many businesses in my career that didn't make it the first five years because they expanded too quickly. And it was yep. really devastating. So to, to know like when to hire and to know what skill set, because a lot of solopreneurs are like, well, I can do it faster or better. I don't have time to train them. Therefore, I'm not going to hire anyone. And you know, I don't want to do this. But when it can relieve that time, like if you think about what you really don't like to do, and pass that off. And then you're blessing that person, you're actually giving them an income so they can go and do the same thing. Because, you know, we all have bills to pay, we all have debt, we all have dreams and, and hopes, and we all have a, a plan for our money, and we want to attract money. And one of the best ways to do that is to hire someone to help you so that you're not going through all that. Yes. Yeah. When you think about your your business sense and your like you know managing the money, managing your personal expenses, managing your time and doing all the things as you transitioned to build out your team, what was the most challenging part for you to finally say, "Okay, this is worth the investment. I'm going to do it."
1: I think it's letting it go. and being fearful that it's not yours anymore and i think that fear of delegate there's a lot of fear in that like it's your product there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of ego right it's you it's your business you're building it i i, I wanted to build my own business i wanted to have it i wanted all the success to be mine i wanted all of that And that doesn't mean that I didn't want to share that with my partner and my family, but it was all part of that too. It's like, I wanted to do it on my own. And I think there's a, there's kind of ego and then there's also, but then also understanding that you get to that point where you're just like, I I can't do this anymore. I can't operate fully in my zone of genius if I'm trying to do my social media posts. Right. So it's like, I there's such a trade-off and I think it's different for every person when you realize that, but there's a, it's a time or money, right? So if you have the money to do it or you spend the time doing it, and when you reach that point where you're like, I need the time more than I need the money, then uh, I think that's, that's a good piece of it too. That doesn't mean you shouldn't reward yourself or pay yourself, but that also means that when that you got to think about that, it's either time or money. So.
0: Yeah. Well, I like to condense time <laughs> and take advantage of it so that I get to, you know, multiply my money while I'm still doing things that I love. And I, I love the freedom of being able to like, if I want to go golfing, I get to go golfing and, you know, I, I Absolutely. Can, you know, I can do what I want when I want to do it. And Absolutely. that's the best gift ever. Right. So when you that's think
1: about people create multiple streams of income, so they are able to do that, whether it's a digital program or a community or, you move from one-on-one to group or, you know, there are many ways to do that. Mm. Then you can go golfing when you want and your business and your ideas can work for you. So, but I get there's some mindset stuff in that too. It's like, well, it's not me and it's not the best product. And no, it's not, but it's, it is still you. It's your idea. So
0: yeah. And aligning that. that because if it, if it gets to be work, then no one wants to do that. Right. And when we think about our money, you know, money is a person. I love to personify money. Um, Describing money as a person, what does your relationship look like?
1: With money? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We have a good relationship. (laughs) Um, It's okay.
0: We talk once in a while.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We talk once in a while. I uh, kind of like to have enough money there to be able to to run the business and i think that's that's been a challenge for me too is like what is that level how much do i keep there how much extra money do i have to be able to invest in the business cuz if you're not if you're not expanding you're not adapting to the market so i think that's a in and particularly in the past couple of years when everything's moved online and the digital marketing and all the stuff that is just so pervasive, it's like, you got to think about smart ways to spend your money rather than, rather than wasting it, wasting it isn't the right word, but like, you just have to think about smart ways to spend your money. So I I, I don't know, like, I, I, yes, I have a relationship with money, but, uh, I don't know how I describe it. I would describe it as like, I don't know. Yeah. of course you need it.
0: Some to I thing. think
1: there's, I think I'm still experiencing that transition or I, I'm still experiencing that transition of like, I don't have a salary every month. I got to create that and mm-hmm. I have bills to pay. And so I got to figure out, I got to figure out how to cover my bills and pay for my debt and also pay myself. I mean, it's pretty daunting to think about, but I think there, there's still that mindset that, I'm still trying to break from it that I've been on salary for however many years. That's, that's hard to break away from. So it's, yeah. Uh, but then also it's like a, like, what do I do if I make more money than I anticipate, mm-hmm. you know? So there's that side of it too. It's like covering everything, but then, then what happens if I, if I have a $20,000 a month rather than a $15,000 month, it's like, it's like, you got to think about, think about where that is going to go. So
0: yeah. And that's one of my favorite things to do. That's my zone of genius. When I work with yeah. my clients, we set up the money multiplier system and we strategically align their money that's coming in to cover their, you know, their owner's comp, their profit first, their operating expenses. So, there's always plenty and there's always like because it's done strategically, you know, and it's customized to them, they get to be able to multiply their their profits and really increase their profit margin and then set goals to do that. But when you think about you know, those zero months when you transition and you you know, you you tap into your multiple income streams and stuff. What's the most challenging part for you as far as getting over that 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 month? Like we all have zero months. I mean, it's it's there's ebb and flows in and what happens. And some months are lower, some months are better. But in reality, money doesn't like to be a number, right? Money loves to be loved on and doted on. And it's like, you know, hey, I'm here for you. Like money is in abundance everywhere. Everyone has the same opportunities. Not everyone takes those opportunities. But when you think about the opportunities that money has and you're bringing it in, it really doesn't matter if you, you know, like if you have a 5k program and you get 20 clients in 2023, it doesn't matter if they come in in September or if they come in in um, December, right? Right. So how do you get yourself over that money mindset piece of like you said, like if I have a zero month and I got my bills to pay, you know, it sounds like you almost go into panic mode, which is what most of my clients do. They're like, oh, I'm fearful. I don't know. I don't, I don't trust this. And I like to say, those are the shadows in ourselves, the the parts of us that are driving, you know, we're, there's seven money archetypes on my website, idatemoney.com. And when you look at those seven archetypes, Ian, the investor, grant the giver, sell the spender, we all have some of them in us, right? But we're driven, you know, those shadows, like, pop up from our childhood memories and they say, no, you're not worthy. Oh, you messed up. Oh, you only got a zero month. So what are some of the stories that you hear? And when you are plateauing, you're going through those ebb and flows as the year goes on.
1: I think there's a, there and one, my business mentor and partner, I think there is something I've learned from him that is, that helps helps you be resilient during those times. And it's to not all have all your eggs in one basket, Mm -hmm. if you will. He doesn't use that phrase, but it's like, you've got to having multiple streams of income is important, but then also living in multiple different businesses is important. Mm -hmm. So it's uh and you can do that when i talk to people about their genius and building businesses out of their genius it's not limited to just one idea there are many different ways that you can implement that and being in, invested as a different part of a business that allows your ideas to to have a legacy and mm-hmm. to also have a bigger impact because you're in those different areas and different industries. Mm-hmm. So I would say, I would say to it's not necessarily an investment strategy, but it is kind of an investment strategy. You have to have your, you know, you don't have to, but having your, your fingers in a few different businesses helps you weather the storm. If one business doesn't do well, then the other business can too, but also preparing for that too. preparing for the time when making sure that you have preparation. If you don't have enough, if you don't, if you're not bringing in the money in a month that you have prepared for that, you know, there's a preparation part to that too. So it's spreading your opportunities and also understanding that i preparing for the future. So,
0: yeah. Always preparing for the future is so important and having those goals and the emergency funds set up is, is crucial to a proper wealth activation roadmap. But when we think about the entrepreneur world, you know, there's that feast and famine mentality. And when we look at that feast or famine, in actuality, if we look at the bigger pictures and we pull out the numbers, it's really we can part- it, right? We just look at this one month and what this happens. And then it kind of predicts what's going to happen with our attitude, because in the back of our mind, we're thinking I'm not worthy. Oh, I can't do this. I shouldn't do this. So what was the one story that you keep telling yourself that kind of keeps you working, challenging yourself to work through that resilience? Those triggers, I guess, is what I'm looking for.
1: I think there, I think when I first entered, uh, tell a story when I first entered my genius into the marketplace, um, in a program, uh, in, you know, I produced a piece of intellectual property that was mine and I had a cohort go through it and, uh, I entered it into the, you know, entered it into the marketplace. I validated it and then I sold it. And then I had, I had about 60 calls with people I invested in a lead generation company and had multiple calls with people. And, uh, and I didn't sell a thing and which is, I had a lot of money going out and I had no money coming in. I was still working at the college at the time. So there was that nice thing, but it wasn't, that wasn't enough to make up for how much money I was putting in. I was not balancing my checkbook, if you will. So, uh. So yeah, that was, that was a challenge. And then it all all came down to one conversation and uh, that I had with a business mentor of mine. And it was the one phrase in that you're not talking to the right people. Your message (laughs) isn't hitting the right audience. And uh, from that point on, I scrapped the program. I rewrote it for a certain audience. And that's the, that's the, A version of the genius entrepreneur program that I have today, which is how to, I teach people how to create assets out of their genius and sell it in multiple different places. But the key to that is making sure that it's matched to your brand and matched to what your, that your product is matched to a person and it solves a problem. Not that you solve all the problems that you solve one, but you do it in many different ways. So I think that's, that's a story that I tell myself is that I did have failure. I did invest money and no, it didn't, it didn't click right away. It's, it's the, it's, I think a pretty typical entrepreneur journey is that you start and then where you are three years later, if you're still around is a totally different place, but you have to be able to pivot and adapt. If something's not working, you got to change. You got to do something else. And you gotta have the resilience to keep doing that. So it's yeah. not failure, it's adaptation.
0: Yeah, I love that. And w- when you were um growing up, I'm sure you heard a lot of money idioms and, and things like that. And your parents kind of set the tone for you know what what you learned about finances. What was the most common thing your parents shared with you about money?
1: They my parents did not talk to me a lot about money. And, uh, they just didn't, it just wasn't in their, wasn't in their DNA. We talked about it some of course, but, uh, they're both entrepreneurs. My mom is a real estate agent. My dad was a farmer and a rancher and a local politician. And so entrepreneur in his own mind, not entrepreneurs of their own, but entrepreneurs. So money was up and down. However, we had the farm and we had the ranch. And so we had all that. There was expected income. So I think that was, that was one thing too, is that there's that, you know, you don't travel certain months of the year because you don't have the money to travel. So it was, it's, I don't know, there's the seasonal aspect of that, which I think is interesting that you've, that we've got to wait until things are sold or things are ready to do that. I think that's some interesting piece of it. Again, we didn't really talk about money a lot, but we were always comfortable and so I think that, which that comfort and that not having to question things, I think incited me to be more of a salary oriented person, right? That you work and you're comfortable and this is where you're at, but not to think about, I can earn more than that for my ideas, to not think about that. So I think that comfort and not having to know about that made me gravitate towards more of a salary position. Yeah. If I'm thinking about money. Again, no, like my parents were wonderful and I never wanted for anything. They were always made sure that we had what we needed. And uh but I think there's a comfort that's taught in that that might indicate how you want to have your money, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And how you
1: want to your salary. So Yeah, it has a lot to do with it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. When we know what we want, we can reverse engineer it and make it happen. It's just putting that, you know, I like to call it the SOP when you can put the SOP in place and you have that business plan laid out and you know, like this, this is my zone of genius. This is my gifts and talents. I love doing this. Let's do more of it. And I you know, love how you map it out for people to show them the multiple ways that you can take that one thing and create multiple ways to create income streams. I remember growing up, my grandmother used to say, don't put your eggs all in one basket. And I'd be like, mm, how am I going to get them home? <laughs> <You know? Right. laughs> and of course, you know, when you're five and you hear that, you're like literally thinking of eggs in a basket. But she was talking about, you know, different money investments in her. Uh, my grandfather was an entrepreneur and they were very diversified and, you know, they were moderate investors um you know not too aggressive but when then my dad's side of the family they were very aggressive and you know they would gamble and throw it all in on one thing and it's like no you know and then like they would lose and they'd have this feast or famine cycle and it's really challenging to you know break those patterns i like to call them generational curses because we learn so much from observing i think we i believe we learn more from observing than we do from actually being taught so i always say we we weren't taught finances growing up but we certainly caught a lot of things about money. So when you think about your own journey with money and your money story, what was the most significant change that you had, like compared to your younger self, compared to now, what do you do differently with money now?
1: I've I've also got multiple kids. I've got two kids. And so you think about that differently too. Like it's, uh, it's not all (laughs) mine and, and yes, I have to pay for my stuff, and but then I also have two littleish kids that aren't earning money yet, right? They're eight and eleven, so that's a that's something to think about too. Is that like that I can work harder and earn more money? Depending, you know, I can do that. I think there's a yeah, I think there's there's just more responsibility with the money now. You know, your homeowner and. You know, you have to do all those things and you've got to reserve money for that. It's not all play money, right? It's not all, even though it is a profit, your profit still has to go somewhere, you know, so I'm not out of that space yet because I've got a young family, but uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how it's changed over time, but I do think that there's, there's more of a budgeting isn't the right word, but it's more of like the money has a purpose. Like you said before, yeah. like you have to think, I have to think about where to put things and how much money to spend on things to be able to have enough money for us to do all the things we want to do.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. And having that balance is so important. Yeah. So if you can give a tip to a young entrepreneur, not young in age, but just young in the business, who's starting off who's really not too sure about what their zone of genius is, what advice would you give them?
1: I would say uh, seek a mentor and you don't have to pay for a mentor. You can go talk to somebody that you trust. Um, but if you want to start a business out of your genius, you've got to you got to understand yourself and your strengths first before you start to think about how to put that into the marketplace. And when you have that idea, then you've got to position it in the marketplace that is going to pay for it. (laughs) And that is going to, that has a problem that needs to be solved. So Mm -hmm. some, some people have the best ideas, but, but if they're not positioned in a place where people have money that are going to pay for you to solve their problem, it's not going to resonate in the market. So that's something key to think about too, is that you might have the best solution out there, but you have to think about your clients first, like who's going to pay for the solution, you've got to think about money first before you spend a bunch of money to enter into the marketplace. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. I like that. Client. Yeah. Make sure your dollars have a purpose. Your purchase has a purpose is my saying. <laughs> well, thank you Shelby so much for being here, for sharing your story. Um, we'll connect your, we'll put your links in the show notes. So people connect with you, but tell us what's the best way to reach you.
1: That'd be great. Uh, my website, shelbyjolong.com is the best way to reach me. Um, Or you can find me on LinkedIn or Facebook. So okay, I'm there. And, uh, they're all about harnessing your genius.
0: Yeah. So those of you listening, please check the show notes. Connect with Shelby, especially if you're in that space where you're like, I'm not quite sure what I want to do. I'm not 100% positive about your zone of genius. She is the gal for you. And remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's what you do with it. Hey, hey, hey. Thanks for tuning into the show. Give us a five star review and share it with your friends. Get ready to activate wealth. Be the next millionaire. With a simple adjustment of your finances using an energetically aligned money multiplier system, you get to build wealth by partnering with money. It's time to have fun with finances. Pick a date, the link is in the show notes to book your wealth activation call where you will get the one solution to multiply your money. Remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make, it's what you do with it.